0: has been great so far, and tonight we're talking about contending for revival. I want you guys to understand something. It is very important that we understand as we get started tonight, as we talk about revival, it's important for us to understand that revival is not cheap. I just want to start off and just let you know from the get-go, come on somebody, revival is not cheap. Revival does not come about part-time Christians. Revival does not come about lazy, lukewarm Christians. Revival doesn't come to the People that worship Jesus for an hour and a half a week and live and sleep with the devil for over a hundred hours for for the rest of the week. That's not where revival comes. Revival is not cheap. There is a price to revival. Come on, somebody. There's something you have to pay. I want you to understand. Jesus paid the price. For your salvation. Salvation is free. But it's free to you. Because Jesus already paid the price for it. So your salvation. It costs something. The Bible says without the shedding of blood. There is no remission for sins. Thank God. Listen some of y'all need to just get back to the regular gospel. Come on somebody. Thank God that we have a Jesus. Who shed his blood. That we would be saved and set free. And delivered from the gates of hell. So I want you to understand. Revival cost something this salvation is free because of the price that jesus paid but your salvation i mean not your salvation but revival and walking this thing out it will cost you something it will cause you some late nights it'll cause you some early mornings and i want you guys to understand there is a real war happening in the spirit world There's an enemy Just as much as we do want revival There's a real enemy that doesn't want revival There's an enemy His name is the prince of the power of the air The ruler of this age Who does not want to see the power, glory, and wonder of the Lord manifest in the earth He does not want that And he gets mad when he sees the glory of God come about Why? Because he wants his glory to come about So he doesn't want the Lord's glory to come about Some of us want our glory And we don't realize we are being just like um, the, the the enemy and I believe Isaiah 26 or 29 where it says I will exalt myself and I will be like the most high I, don't, I didn't even plan on saying this for a moment uh, but I'm going to just say it for a moment Some of us are in this place where we are trying to build ourselves up and we're trying to make ourselves like the most high. There is only one room. There's only room for one butt on the throne of the universe and it belongs to Jesus. I'm already preaching tonight. Come on somebody. There is only one room for a butt on the throne of the universe. It belongs to God and Jesus is seated at his right hand ever making intercession for the saints. I want you to understand Jesus himself is contending in heaven. Come on, Jesus already contended and won for salvation. He's not doing the work of salvation anymore. Jesus is in heaven and he is interceding for revival, for the church, that we will become one, that we will operate in unity and in power. Come on, read your Bibles, Ephesians 4, to come into the unity of the faith. We got to understand, this thing is real. Jesus in this moment, I love the way my pastor said it. He said it He said it on Facebook last night, he said, Jesus spent 30 years living a great perfect family life, being separated and developing in God. He spent three years in powerful demonstration, dramatic power ministry, and Jesus himself has spent over 2,000 years interceding. Do you want to know the power of intercession? Do you want to know how important intercession is? Look at how much time Jesus has spent praying. He spent most of his life in the earth praying to the Father, and ever since he got back to heaven, he's been praying and interceding for the church, so I want you to understand very clearly. Tonight God is looking for People that will hunger and thirst For revival God is looking for People that will contend For revival what does it mean to Contend for something Marcus first off First and foremost we need to get our eyes off Of the things we see because too many Of us are fighting for the things That we see come on somebody And we are losing the battle Because you're trying to fight something you can See but you're supposed to be fighting Something you can't see too many People watch this too many people are carnal weaponed because they're carnal-minded. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities in the air. Come on, y'all know Ephesians 6. Don't make me read it out loud to y'all. Go get your Bibles. Ephesians 6, 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The fight that we are fighting is not with people we can throw uh, jabs at It's not not with people that we can get petty with and it's not at oh I'm about to make some of y'all mad tonight the battle that we're supposed to be fighting in the spirit world you can't unblock you can't unfollow and unblock the devil come on somebody you can't unfollow and block the devil and get him off of your feed why because he's not trying to go for your feed the devil is trying to go for your mind this is why the bible says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Come on, somebody casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This battle that we're trying to fight We got to recognize We are trying to fight A lot of us are fighting the wrong things A lot of us are fighting the wrong peoples And I want you to understand When it comes to contending for revival We've got to stop fighting the wrong things We're supposed to be fighting devils And we're fighting denominations We're supposed to be contending Contending for warfare And we're contending against worship styles We're contending against preaching styles And theology Some of y'all are contending over who's right and who's wrong some of y'all are contending over your seat at the church. I'm about to make somebody mad because you know I'm talking to you. Some of y'all, listen. If some of y'all fought for revival the way you fight for your favorite seat at church, we would have seen revival ages ago. If some of us would have fought for, a par- uh, for for revival, like we fight for our parking spot and get mad when a guest comes and gets it, because God forbid a guest gets comfortable in church and actually gets saved, we would see revival. But we're fighting the wrong things. Come on, somebody. We're fighting against each other. You want want to You want to know why your community doesn't have revival? It's because your pastors don't even talk to one another come on we want to know why our community ain't seeing revival it's because you can have a church 300 feet from each other the pastors don't know each other's name and if they do they used to talk to each other for six months But then they got into an argument over some petty stuff and they don't talk no more because they're more about their kingdom than they are the kingdom some of y'all know what i'm talking about Come on somebody and we got to get over ourselves and we got to get under himself Some of us need to get over ourselves and get under jesus because we are fighting against the wrong things You got to understand Contending for revival, contending for revival looks like more than just saying we want revival and going about our day. It means that you've got to understand before you can contend against something, you've got to contend for something. So if you're just contending for no reason and no goal, you're not contending. You're starting arguments and fights that you're probably going to lose anyway. But contending, it means to fight against something for something. So it means when a when when two um uh, when when two wrestlers get in a ring and I don't even watch wrestling so when two wrestlers get in a the ring, they are fighting against each other for the gold medal. When two people are racing, they're racing against each other for the gold medal. Why are we not seeing revival? It's because we're fighting fights and we don't even know what we do if we won. We don't even know what we do. Some of y'all Guys, I'm about to make some people mad tonight. Y'all know how I do though. Listen, some of y'all can't get deliverance because you wouldn't know what to do if you got set free. Some of y'all can't get set free because you wouldn't know what to do when you actually have time to read and worship and not be traumatized and tormented. The children of Israel literally got delivered from bondage and shackles and they said it would be better for us if we went back to Egypt and ate that nasty food that you had. Listen, Y'all know what you do when you get nasty food? If you're from where I'm from, you fold the plate in half and you throw it in the trash before grandma see. Come on, my grandma can cook, so I never had to do that to her plate. What am I saying? They were willing to go back to the nasty food they complained about because they didn't want to fight. They didn't want to get up and do something for the word of the Lord in their lives. And you've got to understand... If you don't fight in the spirit, you can't win in the flesh. So contending for revival looks like, listen, I've got a goal in mind. I've got a calling in mind. I've got a destiny in mind. I've got something in me that I need to do that I need to see come forth. Therefore, I'm going to fight against any enemy that would even dare to try to get in my way. You need to understand, listen, tell the enemy to get out of the way because he's going to get ran over. He's going to get ran through. Some of y'all be trying to a a two-step around the devil. The devil ain't, listen, you can't Muhammad Ali the devil and try to rope-a-dope him. You can't just lean back with your fists up and try to dodge all day. Listen, the devil got a lot more energy than a lot of us. So you're going to get knocked out eventually. Stop playing defense and get on the offense. If you know the goal, contending means to fight against something for something. You need to know where you're going in your life. You need to know the call of God in your life. Come on, I wish somebody would talk to me. You you need to know the destiny in your life. You need to know what God has called you to do because what's the point in winning a battle if you have nothing to show for it? What's the point in winning a fight if you have nothing to brag about? What's the point of winning a fight? Listen, half the reason why I'm so competitive is because I want to brag when I win. Y'all need... I want to talk about it. Like, yeah, I went and now I got the trophy and you don't. I want to brag against the devil. Yeah, you thought you could kill me, but I'm still here. You thought my family would go to hell. They all got saved. Come on, somebody. You thought I would give up, but the Lord is using me. You thought I would be drowned in by that sin, but I'm walking in freedom and wholeness. I'm not going to let the devil out jab me because I don't feel like fighting. I'm not going to let the devil out jab me. Listen, how you get saved and get soft? That's my question for the church tonight. We talk about contending for revival. Here's my question. How you get saved and get soft? Some of y'all know you was as ratchet as ratchet gets. You was in the club. You was in the bars. You was in the house parties. You was sleeping with everybody and they mama. You was fighting everybody and they daddy. And you, listen, you had hands for days. Hands coming to a theater near you. And then you get saved and you don't want to fight no more. What you mean? What you mean you don't want to fight no more? Oh, I'm a peacemaker. The peacemakers will inherit the king. Amen, Thank God for the peacemakers and the peacekeepers. We need that. Walk in that spirit of peace. But listen, Jesus didn't come against the enemy with no peace. Come on, somebody. The Bible doesn't say hold the sword of peace, hold the sword of the spirit and pierce the devil. Come on, somebody. We need to be a people that will fight for revival, that will contend for revival and stop letting the devil do whatever he wants to do in our churches and our families in our regions. A lot of times why we don't contend for revival is because literally we're just afraid to fight i've seen too many christians they get saved and they get solved how you go from gang banging to being scared to pray out loud in the prayer circle how you go from shooting and robbing to being afraid to share your testimony how you go from sleeping with 30 people to not wanting to share your faith come on i'm getting real tonight y'all i'm talking about and i'm not i'm not trying to be funny i'm trying to be real like how do we go from living this exuberant Wild passionate and crazy life for the devil and then we sit down and try to be cute for Jesus Jesus doesn't want your cute self he wants your real self Jesus doesn't want your purdied up self he wants your passionate self Jesus is not getting you saved to sit in a pew and go home and watch Netflix so you fall asleep seven days out of the week Come on there's something more for us it, uh, Exodus 13:17. the children of Israel They get set free, they get delivered, they see their enemy is behind them, and God drowned them out in the Red Sea, and it says this in Ezekiel 13, 17, I'm already losing my voice, you can tell I ain't preaching two weeks, Ezekiel, I mean, sorry, uh, Exodus 13, 17, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Even though it was near, the Bible says, God did not let them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Why? Because God said lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt some of us are afraid to fight and that's why we don't have any freedom some of us are still having the same devils and demons bully us around because we don't know how to walk in power and authority you've got to remember that Jesus himself said you will these signs will follow those who believe they will cast out devils They will drive out devils listen I'm not going through the whole list right now go read your Bibles mark chapter 16 but he's literally said these signs will follow those who believe this you have the winning punch in your pocket Pull that thing out and use it. He said, I can't take them by the way of war. Watch this. Some of y'all are not in the wilderness because God's trying to develop your character, even though God does that in the wilderness. Some of y'all are not in the wilderness because you did something wrong and God wants to punish you. Some of you are not in the wilderness because you were disobedient. And some of you are not in the wilderness because you've been running away from God. Some of you are in the wilderness because you wouldn't go the way of war. So God had to take you the way of the wilderness. Come on, can we talk about it tonight? Some of us are not in the way of war We're in the way of the wilderness Because we were too afraid to fight And I've just realized this The church is the strongest organism in the planet It's the strongest organization I'm using quotation for those that are listening on Spotify and Apple later The, the church is the strongest organization Slash organism Slash body Slash entity In the planet Because we have the Holy Spirit So why is it that the strongest people Have the weakest mindsets. Why are we so lax and lazy? Let people say and do whatever they want to do to us and around us, and we got no fight back. Why is it that some of y'all can let your friends and family talk down on God and you don't want to say nothing? Like, we got to be real. This is what we do. And I've got to a place in my life where, listen, I'm not going to let you disrespect me, I'm not going to let you disrespect my wife. I'm not going to let you disrespect my family, my friends. I for sure ain't going to let you disrespect God. Like, it's going to be some hold me back type stuff. Like, we're going to get to throwing bows. Not literally. I'm just playing, guys. Chill out. I'm not going to fight nobody. But uh, we got to get this mindset of they ain't going to come around me with that because I've got a response, I've got the knockout punch, I've got the best defense and offense in the world, and his name is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is in the earth to fill you with power dunamis come on somebody dynamite come on jj evans old school dynamite y'all don't know nothing about that good times fill you with dunamis power so that you can walk in authority and trample over the enemy you got to understand when jesus said that you'll trample over serpent uh serpents and scorpions he's not just talking about physically he's saying in the spirit realm you're meant to trample over the enemy this is why the bible says in in genesis chapter 3 when God when God um when God confronts the enemy he said you're going to lay on your back you're going to lay on your belly and you and the the son of man from her will come the seed of the son of man and he will crush your head you're going to bruise his heel you're going to get your little jab in but he's going to crush your head i want to look at a people i feel the lord saying i'm looking for a church with bruised heels and trampled devils underneath their feet i'm looking for a church with bruised heels and defeated enemies underneath their feet that aren't afraid to fight you got to recognize that in in Exodus 13 he had to take them away from the Philistines Philistines however you want to say it and then we're going to end up fighting them anyway. What he said, listen, I can get, I, I can move you around right now. We can change some things in the schedule. We can move some things around on your calendar, but you're going to eventually have to fight them anyway. Some of you are in this place and your walk with God. Some of our churches are in this place where we're trying to avoid the devil and you can only do it for so long. You're going to eventually have to fight him. And if you. you ooh, I'm about to talk to somebody. You can either fight the devil on your terms. Or you can fight the devil on his terms. I'm going to let y'all decide. Come on. We got to decide as a church. As far as me. As far as the people I roll with. As far as the body of people I'm around. I can promise you this. I'm not waiting for the devil to show up in my doorstep. For me to want to get into some spiritual warfare. Stop. Oh, I'm about to talk to somebody. Why is it that we always talk about spiritual warfare as the devil attacking us? Every time people tell me they're going through spiritual warfare, it's never them going against the devil. It's the devil attacking them. And I'm like, where are we at in the body of Christ where every time we talk about spiritual warfare, we're talking about the enemy attacking us. Are you telling me that the only time you're in spiritual warfare is when the enemy is trying to storm your gates and never when you storm his gates? The Bible said that the gates of hell will not prevail. What is a gate? A gate is a a defensive weapon. So why is it that you got the devil running around with gates in his hand and not even a sword you have a sword he has a gate I don't know about you but I think a sword can beat a gate every single time we need to get over this mentality that only time we're going through spiritual warfare is when the enemy is attacking and if that's the case Come on, if the only time the enemy is attacking you, I mean, the only time, if the only time you say you're in spiritual warfare is when the enemy is attacking you, you are on defense and you are being trampled over instead of trampling over the enemy. You have the Holy Spirit in your corner. You're supposed to be knocking devils out. You're supposed to be kicking devils out and running devils out. Listen, stop running from what you're meant to run over. You are meant to run over the the devil. You're meant to run over the enemy stop running from him and start running over him some of you guys like this is real spiritual markets give me some practical stuff we're going to get to it in a minute be listen be be patient with me we're going to get there listen we got some we got we got to be these people that don't have just a good talk but they walk this thing out and they live this thing for real there's a lot of christians that talk the talk but they don't walk the walk listen i'm not going to I live in Florida, guys. I'm from Florida. I've lived Florida most of my life. I want to share a story. I'm not going to name the person that this involved. But it involved a Florida rapper. Okay? I used to be heavy into hip-hop. used to be heavy into rap. I used to rap travel and all that stuff doing rap. There was this rapper who was very well known. He's very famous now still. Even though he doesn't put a lot. Of, he doesn't really put music out anymore. But he was very famous. Had a huge buzz for a couple of years. when I was in like high school. And he was from Florida. And he was always talking in his music and in conversations, how many guns he had, how many girls he had, how many dudes he knocked out, even though the dude was mad short. So I don't know how many people he could really fight and win, but that's not for me to to say. He would talk about how tough he was, how, how G he was, how much of a thug and a gangster he was. And there was this one time I was at this party and I got to this party and they were telling us something that just happened. They're like, yo, your, 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 your old dude just came here and he ran off. I said, he ran off. I said, wait, is that the same guy that all he talks about is killing people? Yeah, man. Well, somebody rolled up on him and he ran away. And I'm thinking, wait, he literally sells music and he has told, watch this. He's told the world he's about that action. He told the world he's ready to fight. He told the world he's ready to shoot it out. And then the action came and he ran. And I'm thinking to myself today, there is a church that talks a big talk, but has no fight. That, oh, we serve a mighty God. Oh, we kick the devil out. Oh, we decree and declare. Stop decreeing and declaring stuff when you know you scared of the enemy you're trying to decree against. We talk a big game, y'all. But it's time, I feel the Lord saying. I feel the Lord saying right now in this moment, stop talking about it. Walk in the power and the uh, the authority that I have given to my church. Stop just sitting the Holy Spirit in the corner of the backside of your spirit. Some of y'all treat the Holy Spirit like Moses, and you put him in the backside of the desert of your spirit because it's not woo. It's not nourish, you don't let the Holy Spirit Nourish you, you don't let the Holy Spirit Fill you and flow in you So your spirit has become a desert land And the Holy Spirit's in the backside Of the desert, oh Holy Spirit we release you from the backside of the desert I say and I declare right now You will not have a church that holds you back in their spirit You will have a church that submits to your leadership That loves you intensely And walks with you The Bible says walk with the Holy Spirit Keep in step with the Spirit And you will not gratify the lust of the flesh We gotta keep in rhythm with what the Holy Spirit is saying And doing in this time Come on somebody in Numbers chapter 14, Numbers chapter 14, guys, I want you to understand what happens. because I, I, want, I want to be serious about this. I want you guys to understand what happens when we don't fight. When we don't fight, I want you to understand what happens. Numbers chapter 14, it might have been 13, but Numbers chapter 14, it's Numbers chapter 13 and 14, the story. We see a people. Standing outside of the promise of God, a people who have been called by God, God's own people. He has set aside some property, some land, a promised land for them as a covenant that he gave to their father's father's father, Abraham. And they send two spies. You guys know the story. They send two spies. And this is what happens. The spies come back. There's 12 of the spies. 10 of them say, listen, man... I don't know if we really want to be there no more Like there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy people They got giants They got swords They got all sorts of crazy stuff I don't think we're quite ready to handle The fight that we would need to fight To get into this promise that God gave us But the Bible said there was two men Caleb and Joshua Come on somebody They said I don't know what these dudes is talking about But the land is full of milk and honey Not milk and honeys Come on some of y'all single guys The land is full of milk and honey The land is ripe for the taking. I'm ready to cut some heads off. Whatever we got to do, this land is ready for us. And And the whole church was scared. The congregation became weary. They became afraid. And they became angry at Moses for trying to bring them to some freedom. And they looked and said, listen, man, it was better if we was back in Egypt, bro. We was good. Like, you tripping right now? And the Lord had to respond. I want you to understand this. He said, except for Caleb... And except for Joshua, you will by no means enter the land which I swore I will make you dwell in. Watch this. But your little ones whom you said would be victims... I'm about to talk to somebody whom you said will be victims. I will bring in and they will know the land that you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses will fall in the wilderness. What was the Lord saying? He said, since y'all want to be so scared, you can't have it anyway. Since y'all want to be so scared and afraid to fight and afraid to take territory and, and afraid to take on the promises of God and afraid to watch this contend for revival I have to kill an entire generation because they're filled with fear. You got to understand, when we when we allow the enemy to stop us out of fear, God will have to kill a generation and raise up the new one to take what we should have had. I don't listen. I love my son. I love all my kids. My oldest is 10. My youngest is two months. I love my kids, but I'm not letting them have no revival that I don't get the witness. They're going to have a greater measure of what I witnessed, but I've refused to, in my lifetime, not see a great awakening in my region, and my kids see it instead. I want them to see a greater measure of the revival I will see. I want them to see a greater measure of the awakening I will see. I tell people all the time, this is a a revival or bust thing. This is an all or nothing. I call God at his word. God, you said. You said you wish that none would perish, Lord I'm preaching this gospel We're praying for this region to be transformed You have to do this Come on, somebody You gotta do this I'm calling you at your name I will fight and I will do whatever I gotta do I'm not gonna be the one scared And let my sons and daughters Take over territory that their daddy was meant to take over Come on, somebody I'm not going to let my children take territory that I was supposed to take in the first place. You got to understand, man, that you're supposed to bring your kids into freedom so that they can go to the next level. We've heard people say it before. Our ceiling is their floor. But when we allow the enemy to keep us back in fear and when we're not willing to fight, our ceiling becomes, listen, our ceiling becomes their war room because we wouldn't fight. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us, Holy Spirit. Our ceiling our becomes their war room when we're not willing to fight. And I want you guys to understand this because I hear people say all the time, oh, we need the armor of Christ on. We need the armor of Christ on. And I'm thinking, what do you need the armor of Christ for if you ain't fighting nobody? You don't need armor if you're not fighting anything. You don't need armor if you're not contending for anything. You don't need armor if you're not going to war for anything. And God's saying, I got armor for you, but you're literally sitting in the house watching Hulu all day. You don't need this armor. You need some PJs and some basketball shorts and some socks and a pillow. Come on. We What are we fearing for? It's going to take a radical people. It's going to take a radical, fearless people. And we need to listen. Listen. Lay everything else aside And just chase this thing Chase this thing and go after it with everything that you have I want you to understand this This is not for just some people We need the church to contend We need the church to chase after this thing I'm about to share a few things I don't even think I want to be too much longer tonight y'all I just want to really hit this thing home But listen when we, this is, this is one of the reasons why we don't contend for revival is because we like to pretend that we have it already. And I was praying today and I felt the Lord say, I need more contenders and less pretenders. And I said, Lord, what do you mean by that? I need more contenders and less pretenders. I need people that will contend for the real revival and not pretend they already have it. I need you to f- fight for the real thing. And stop pretending that you actually have it. Listen, I, I did a study on wildfires about a year ago. I did a study on wildfires. The Lord was speaking to me about the fire of God. And he just, he just had me down this rabbit trail of fires and wildfires. And I was looking at California hotspots. California, uh, Nevada, Texas. Different places where wildfires break out. Even in Florida sometimes. And I found out this. Over 90% of wildfires in the United States are caused by people. Listen to me. Over 90% of wildfires in America are caused by people. Less than 10% are called an act of God. I'm going to say that one more time. 90% of wildfires in America are caused by people. And the less than 10% that aren't caused by people, scientists call an act of God. And I remember just looking into this and I felt the Lord tell me a year ago. He said, Marcus... 90% of fires created in the church Are a man born fire 90% of the fires in the church Are man made And less than 10% Are an act of God I said what in the world Is going on here And the Lord began to reveal me And show me That we put all these things together To make it look like And sound like And feel like We have revival We tell people Because the church is full We've got revival How is the church full And we got revival But we're all still living in sin And complicated compromising every day of our life. I'm not saying we're supposed to be perfect, but you know what I'm saying? Like we're li- we're living these lives where as long as the building is full, We think we have revival. I want you to understand it's so much deeper than your building and your parking lot being full. I don't care if your parking lot is full if every soul in the room is empty. I don't care if every pew is full if the people are empty. If they're not filled with the Holy Spirit walking in signs, wonders, and miracles and intimately in love with the man that is named Jesus Christ. If it is not the fire of God, it is Leviticus strange fire. Come on, somebody. I don't want to give the Lord a Leviticus 10 strange fire where I use what I want and I put it on the altar and I say, yeah, we got a fire of God going. We got revival going. You need to be like my church. You need to be like my tribe. You need to be like my people. We got revival here. Why? Because you sang one extra song. Come on, man. We got to get over this. We got to get over making things happen for our own namesake. And we got to say, Lord, if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. If you don't bring revival, it's not going to happen. So what does that mean? What does that look like? First and foremost, we need to, we need to begin to change the standard in the church. And we need to stop labeling things that aren't revival as revival just because we're too lazy to pay the price for the real thing. We need to stop labeling fake revivals as real revivals because we're too lazy to do the real thing. If you had to plan and promote and put a million flyers out and promote your thing on Facebook and spend $150 and you had to beg people and you had to call all your friends and cousins to get into one service and it was a lot of people, it's not revival. We need to contend for the real thing. There is, Listen. I felt this when I was in prayer. There is a generation, there is a people, a people that are passionate, passionate Christians that are rising up. And I believe the Lord is saying that they would rather pray, intercede, and touch heaven than get a weekly feel-good message that does nothing for their spirit and has no substance and is all fluff. There's a generation of people that would rather pray and intercede and see real revival than continue to go to these me- these churches with fluffy messages that make you puff up and be proud and feel good about yourself. And you end up feeling so... What? This is the problem with these feel-good messages. You leave feeling so good about yourself that you don't need Jesus anymore. You leave feeling so good about yourself that you don't need the gospel message anymore and it's boring to you because... I'm such an awesome person. Oh, you're great. You're amazing. You're awesome. God wants to do this for you. God wants to do that for you. Listen, man, I could talk all day about the promises of God for your life i believe in them but what i don't believe is this that we're just we are not the king we are not the lord jesus christ is lord and we cast our crowns before him stop looking at jesus helping and moving your head over to the side like hey i need another crown jesus come on i need to be bedazzled get my drip right come on somebody jesus ain't trying to get your drip right he already dripped his blood so that you could be set free and you could worship him and we need to be a people where the prayer service, come on, we need to be a people that are so hungry to contend for revival that the prayer service becomes the most powerful service of the church. Where the prayer services are more packed than the Sunday mornings. Where the intercession rooms are more packed. Listen, come on, then you're, then you're quote-unquote revival nights where you bring out a guest speaker. Come on, I, I'm, I'm serious about this, man. I really believe, man. I've been praying. I believe that the Lord is about to hit the church. The Lord's been just talking to me about this travail and this mourning of the spirit, and just this agony where you just can't get away from prayer, and you gotta seek after Him because He is about to birth. He's He's trying to birth something through His church. He's trying to birth something through His people, and He needs a people that are willing to go through the pain of revival to birth revival. Everybody, oh y'all don't want to talk to me. Everybody wants the baby. But where are the people that are willing to endure the labor? Where are the people that are willing to endure the labor the labor to receive revival? To walk into revival? I'm about to tell you guys a few keys and we're going to get out of here. Keys to contending for revival. Number one, you can write this down. You can do whatever. Press the replay button. Do what you got to do, boo-boo. Keys to contending for revival Number one Lay your idols down You cannot have revival When you are an idol worshiper You cannot have revival When you say Jesus and I'm not trying to be too religious here I'm not I promise you I'm not But I'm glad my wife is asleep Because she she would probably say something to me She'll probably say something when she listens tomorrow Listen I don't like the Jesus and shirts Oh, all I need is Jesus and coffee, and typically it's coffee and Jesus, and Jesus is on the back end. I don't like those shirts. I'm not trying to be too religious. I know they're cute ladies. Do your thing. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to think you're less spiritual. I promise. It don't change my view of nobody. I just don't like them because I'm like, I'm not putting nothing on my clothes that say Jesus and something. I don't need nothing but Jesus to get me through my day. I'm not trying to be too religious. Let me move on because some of y'all want to get mad at me that I love your coffee too much. But on a serious note, guys, we need to lay our idols down. It's not Jesus and, it's Jesus or. Come on, it's not Jesus and it's Jesus or. Jesus is saying, I need you to pick one. It's either me or the world. It's either me or your Netflix. It's either, I'm not saying you can't watch Netflix. It's either me or your idolatry. It's either me or your adultery. It's either me or your closet hiddenness. We gotta pick one. And if we're gonna serve the Lord Jesus, we need to drop what we have. what What did he say to the rich young ruler? You lack one thing. Sell everything you have and follow me. And he walked away sad. Not because he didn't want to follow Jesus, but because the price was too much. He loved his stuff more than he loved Jesus. He loved his possessions more than he cared about walking and following Jesus. We've got to lay our idols down. Acts chapter 19, revival hits the land and it literally says... Many people who believed, they came confessing and telling their sin. And they those who practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of everybody. Listen, we need to have a good old bridge burning service. Some of y'all need to get a bonfire going and just have your church come dump everything that's idolatry in their heart into the fire. I don't care if you got to write it down on a notepad or if it's a real thing. You just got to throw it in the fire. And listen. It said that when they did this, it it was over millions of dollars worth of stuff. Um, And then it says, watch, look, so the word of the Lord drew mightily and prevailed. Revival was hitting because the people were confessing their sin and laying down their idols. You got to recognize this thing, man. We can't have revival and idols. We can't do it. We can't do it. I'm not saying you can't have nothing in your life. I'm not saying you can't watch TV. I'm not saying you can't go have fun. Listen, I like to have fun as much as the next guy. I like to go do my thing as much as the next guy. But it does not take the place of Jesus. It does not take the place of revival. And it does not take the place of the move of God. You've got to recognize when you lay your idols down, God can birth revival through you because he knows that nothing else is as important to you as what he wants. This is why intercession and prayer is so powerful. People always ask me, Marcus, What I, I know you're passionate about prayer and intercession. What is what is intercession? A lot of us would say very simply, intercession is when you pray on behalf of something or someone else. At the basic root, absolutely. But the Lord took me through the scriptures and he showed me this. Intercession is where you see Jesus properly. And he makes you feel like he feels so that you pray like he prays. If you can feel what Jesus feels, you can pray like Jesus prays. Listen, the Bible says, Matthew chapter 9, he looked upon the multitudes. He was filled with compassion. A lot of us look across the multitudes And we get filled with annoyance We get bothered by them We don't want to deal with them We want to have our cute little church services Where nobody else gets saved And it's the same 30 people The same 300 people And we're comfortable We got our events And we can go do our thing Some of y'all are making your your, your Sunday services an idol Some of you are making your favorite YouTube preacher an idol Some of you are making this whole thing Where it's like If I can get to the right conference, I can get healed, set free, all this stuff. You're making an idol out of a conference for people that don't even live in your town. Like you want to talk about contending for revival? Lay down the idol of visiting ministers. You want to talk about contending for revival? Lay down down your idolatry of itinerant ministers. Listen, I am all about it. I believe in it. We need it in the body. I'm not saying don't be grateful. I'm saying don't idolize them. That's all I'm saying I need you guys to catch this tonight We need to lay our idols down We need to let them go Put the golden calf down Let the dagons fall off of the Listen Let the dagons fall off of the shelf And stop putting them up there With the Ark of the Covenant Because it's going to fall every time Idols will always get in the way of revival Idols will always get in the way of revival Revival So if you want to contend for revival, you say, Marcus, I want to be serious about revival. I want to contend for revival. What is the first thing I should do? The first thing you need to do is you need to acknowledge and destroy your idols. Doesn't mean you can't have revival. It means that there's some things you got to get out the way first. Come on. There's some things you got to get out the way first. Number one, lay down your idols. Number two, I'm gonna give you guys three things. Number one, lay down your idols. Number two, get a revelation of the glory of God. I'm going to say that again. Get a revelation of the glory of God. What do I mean by that? Ma- I'm going to give you a few verses. Matthew chapter 17. I love, listen, I love I love poetic things in the Bible. Um, People make fun of me because I do like one-liners all the time. But I just love like the poetic style of things. So I love the Psalms because of the poetry. I love the book of Isaiah because of the poetry. Anyway, there's a line In Matthew 17, Matthew 17, the transfiguration of Jesus. He takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain, and he is transfigured. He is in his glory, right? He's revealing his glory to them, and he's got Moses and Elijah hanging out, and they are are blown. They are thrown off. They don't know what to say, what to do, and Peter says something. You want to talk about the glory of God, and you want to talk about being in the presence of God. There is one simple statement. I just feel, oh, God, I feel this on me right now. There is one simple statement that will get you into the glory of God in a beautiful way. Watch this, Matthew 17. Peter is watching the transfigured Christ. He's watching Jesus in his glory. And he says, it is good for us to be here. Oh, such a simple statement. Such a simple statement with so much power. He says, it is good oh, it is good for us to be here. Come on. Do you have a burden in your heart that says it is good for me to be in the presence of the Lord? I know I've got a lot going on, but it's good for me to be here. I know I've got a busy schedule, but it is good for me to be in the presence of the glorified King. It is good for me to be in the presence of the powerful one, the mighty one, the mighty one of Jacob, Psalm 119 calls him. He says, it is good. For us to be here. And then immediately he says, Let me let me put up some tabernacles and let's worship you the right way. And G- listen, he had to shut it down. This is the point I'm trying to make. When you get a revelation of the glory of God, it will cause you to worship him in a way that you never thought you could, to reach a people you never thought you could reach. I'ma talk, I'm gonna take it back to John chapter 20 and 21. When they see the risen Christ. They see the risen Christ. They get to have uh, breakfast on the beach with Him. They see the risen Christ. He begins to preach to them. He begins to tell them all these things. He begins to tell them, listen, some of you are going to die until you see the glory of God. He was talking about John. Yes, come on. It is good for me to be in the presence of God. And he says, listen, I'm about to undo you. This is the last chapter of Luke now. I want you to stay because I'm about to endue you with power. You've received the Holy Spirit, but now I'm about to endue you with power. So after he does that, he says, go wait in a room. Come on, go wait in a room until you get what I promise you. I want you to understand when you get a revelation of the glory of God, you will go from hiding in fear to the Isaiah six. Here I am. Come on. Some of y'all need to just write this down. Here I am. If you can get a revelation of the glory of God, like uh, like Isaiah did in chapter six, when he saw the throne of God. When he saw the seraphim, when he saw the burning altar. He said, woe is me. He was cleansed. God said, who shall I send? He said, here I am. Send me. If you can get a revelation of the glory of God, it'll cause you to desire, to contend for revival. Come on. Revelation chapter one, John sees his best friend. I want you to understand John the Revelator. He was Jesus's best friend on the planet Earth, and this is his best friend. He laid on his chest. He hung out with him for years. And this is the same John who laid on the chest of Jesus. Oh, I feel this. The same John that laid on the chest of Jesus in Revelation 1 fell at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because he saw Jesus in his glory. He saw the bronze feet. He saw the hair white like wool. He saw the eyes of fire. Come on, somebody. He saw the seven lampstands. He heard the voice as a sound of many rushing waters. Oh, would you get a revelation of this tonight? And he fell before him as if dead. And he said, "Uh, listen, get up. Don't be scared. I'm the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. But before he even saw him, Jesus said, I want you to write down everything that you're about to see and hear that's going to come to pass. He said that before John saw him. I believe that John loved Jesus with all his heart. But I believe there was a new fire in his heart to obey the word of God when he saw him. There is a new unction to pray for and contend for the things of God when you see him as more than a nice guy with long hair and an old book. When you see him as the risen king. When you see him as the ancient of days like Daniel says. When you see him as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. When you see him as the holy one of Israel, your redeemer. Isaiah says your maker is your husband. He is the God of the whole earth. Isaiah 54 I believe. Isaiah Isaiah 54 verse 5. He says he is the God of the whole earth. If you can get a revelation... If you can truly see this great being, if you can get a revelation of the unmade one and the unmade son, it'll cause your heart to stir that everybody would know him. It'll cause your heart to say I can't have anything less Than everybody knowing This great God And you'll get the Habakkuk 2.14 scripture Tattooed on your heart That says For the knowledge of the glory of God Will fill the earth Like the waters cover the sea Come on This is the last thing Keys are contending for revival Number one Thank you Jesus Number one Lay your idols down Number two Get a revelation of the glory of God Watch this Number three Pray until you see it happen The reason why we don't see most things happen in our walk with God is because we pray for it for five minutes and then we get tired and we don't pray for it anymore. Some of y'all got prophetic words over your life. You've got words that God told you in secret and somebody called you out in the stage. They called you out in a meeting. They called you on the phone. They called you out. And released a word over your life. And you heard it. You wrote it down. And you said thank God. And it didn't happen in a week. And you never thought about it again. And then you remember. And you're like well God didn't do it. It ain't because God didn't want to. You didn't pray baby. What happened? They laid their idols down. They got a revelation of the glory of God. And then Jesus said. I want you to go sit in a room. Until I give you what I promise you. And for 10 days, they did not leave this room. And all they did was pray in one accord and fast until they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the most simple yet misunderstood Not the most. I'm I'm over exaggerating. This is one of the most simple principles of the kingdom that we overlook. We want things to happen and we stop praying. We don't pray. We pray for five minutes and we don't get it when we want. So we stop praying. Luke chapter 18 literally says this. He told the wife, he said, listen, it says Jesus taught them a parable so that they would learn to pray and not give up. Pray and not lose heart. Luke chapter 18, it says this. If you understand that there's this thing where God responds to persistence, you will see things happen in your life in a great and beautiful and mighty way. He said, listen, there is this woman, the persistent widow. She wants justice with her adversary and the, the judge didn't want to listen he don't fear god he doesn't fear men he don't care who you are but because she keeps pestering me but because she's so persistent i will do what she wants me to do will god not bring justice for his elect uh verse 7 luke 8 uh, 18 verse 7 will god not bring justice for his elect who cry out day and night Will he defer his help? Will he tarry? I tell you, he will promptly carry out what he promised. Luke chapter 18. You want to know how to see revival happen and contend for revival? You've got to pull some things down. You may have to wrestle with the enemy and step into spiritual authority. And I want you to understand this. That you've got to go in the secret place and you've got to pray until it actually comes to pass. They did not leave until Jesus himself gave the promise that he said and gave them the Holy Spirit. Some people get tired. They get weary. They stop praying. Then they come back a month later and pray for five minutes. And then they go about their day. I just wonder, like, what would happen if the entire church... There was 120 people in the upper room and they just prayed day and night until he fulfilled his promise. I wonder what, I literally, I'm not even joking. I'm not saying this would be cute. I wonder what would happen if every single member of every single church on the entire planet took 10 days. I'm, I'm not even gonna say 10. Took five days and did nothing but pray and fast collectively as the body for a move of God. I wonder what would happen if we laid everything down and we just spent hours before him and we said, Jesus, Pour your spirit out on all flesh. Lord, send revival. Wake your church up and save our community. Let the fear of God be known to all men. I feel this. Let the fear of God be known to all men. Let the glory of God be realized by all men. We got to be willing to press in and pray for this thing. You got to understand. Anything worth having... Anything worth having is worth fighting for. If you're not willing to fight for it, you don't want to have it. I see how some of y'all act at Starbucks when they get your drink wrong. Come on, somebody. I see how you get at the restaurant when they don't get your food right. You say, hey, I need you to take this back and give me what I asked for. Oh! I need you to give me what I asked for. Lord, I need you to give us what you place in our hearts. You place revival in our hearts, Lord. We will not stop crying day and night until you bring it forth. Isaiah 56, I've set watchmen on your walls. They will never hold their peace day or night. And they will give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem as the praise of the earth. We are looking. Listen, the Lord is looking. For a watchman generation that will be on the wall, that will watch and that will pray. Why? Because the spirit is willing, Jesus said, but the flesh is weak. You're going to have to tell your flesh, you're not the boss here. You're going to have to tell your flesh, you don't run the show here. You don't pay the bills here. I do, and we're doing what I say, and I say that we're going to contend for revival. We're going to push and pray until we actually see it happen. I know this is super simple, guys, but if I if, if we didn't have to talk about it, then I wouldn't talk about it. But it's the reality. Let's look at our lives. Let's look at our calendars. Let's look at the last week and say, how often have we prayed for revival? There's a lot to pray for. I'm not saying revival is the only thing to pray for. How much time have we spent within the last seven days crying out, God, pour your spirit out? God, save the lost. God, change my community. God, make your glory known to all men. You want to contend for revival? Lay your idols down, get a revelation of God's glory, and pray until you actually see it happen. Listen, what would happen if we all prayed for five days and nobody could find us as we were in the church? You know what would happen? The cops will be looking for us. And if they can't find you after a couple days, you'd be pronounced missing or dead. Can I tell you? You ain't got to pronounce me as dead. I died eight years ago when I gave my life to Jesus. The old me is gone. The new me is here. Paul said, listen, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It is no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. Ooh, listen to me. If it's Christ that lives in you, and it's not you, I can promise you Christ would not rather watch Netflix than pray. I can promise you Christ would not rather gossip than pray for people. If Christ lives in us, then let Christ live through us. I feel this. I feel this. Come on. When we stop treating church like a weekly place to get vaccine shots so we don't get contaminated by the world, we're going to see a change. We don't need an inject. I'm not telling you if you should get the COVID shot or not. That's not my topic for tonight. Listen, we don't need an injection. We need an infilling. We need an immersion. We need to be baptized in the power and in the fire of God. There are people that are waiting on your yes. There are people that are waiting for your prayer. Oh, listen to me. There are people whose salvation is waiting on your prayer life. There are people whose salvation is waiting on your prayer life. Jesus, would you send it? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just pray right now that you will give us a heart and a burden. God, to contend for revival. Lord, to wrestle in the spirit that we will have the Jacob's wrestling anointing on us. That says, I will not let go, I will not stop praying until you bless me, until you pour out your spirit, until you save my family, until my, until my region and my city literally knows the glory of God. I believe it, that if we will pray and seek the Lord and contend in the spirit for this thing, that God will have to answer. Lord, I believe that if people, if churches and children and your children, if your children and your churches would work together and pray and cry aloud, there would not be a moment when your ear is not full of a cry for revival. So, Lord, I pray that you will do it. I pray that you will raise up a generation of praying people, of intercessors. Of people that hear your heart and know your heart and say, your kingdom come and your will be done. We pray it now. We release it now. Father, I pray over everybody that's watching right now. And I pray over everybody that will listen in the future. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that they will be warriors, that they will not run from the enemy, but they will run over the enemy, that they will enter into every promise, that they will enter into revival power, that signs, wonders, and miracles will follow them, that they will walk in such intimacy with you, that it bleeds out onto the community around them. Lord, we just say we will be a people of contention in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Guys, love you so much. Thanks for listening to the Heartburn Podcast. Episode 5, Contending for Revival. We will see you and uh, we'll see you next time. We love you guys.